0: Good morning to you all once again, and grace and peace to you, from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. As your pastor, each week I pray about and seek the Lord's guidance on what I should be sharing on Sunday mornings, what I should be preaching on. Sometimes the Lord gives me very clear direction. Sometimes I preach on what I may have been reading myself in my own daily readings, and sometimes, many times, i've been preaching sermon series which makes it really easy to know what i'm going to preach on the next week right now i'm kind of in an interlude of sorts as i finished the previous series on those those seven i am statements of jesus from the gospel of john and last week we looked at what we were created for that is to bring glory and honor and pleasure to god i took some time this week and actually looked back on everything that I've preached on over the last 10 years here. I actually have a file in my computer that lists every sermon, every scripture reading, and every hymn that's been used every Sunday uh, for the time that I've been your pastor. And I was taught in seminary that I am to preach the whole counsel of God's Word. That includes preaching on topics that I really enjoy preaching about, also being willing to preach on biblical topics that might be a little harder to share about. And as I looked at all that I had shared, I realized that, that uh, I hadn't spoken very much about one particular topic that's found in the Scriptures. It's one that many preachers don't feel that comfortable preaching about, myself included. In fact, the last time I preached on this subject was back in November of 2015. In 2015, our church was going through some difficult times financially. Some of you were here then, many of you weren't. We were receiving extra monthly support from the western region so that the church could uh, pay my salary, pay all of our bills, and and basically keep our doors open. And our giving in the year of 2015 had actually dropped some from the previous year, which was my first year here in 2014. So I preached a sermon on giving and tithing. Something, again, that that most preachers don't really enjoy doing. And in all my sharing back then, I tried to emphasize that as long as we were being faithful to what the Lord has called us to do, and faithful to who the Lord has called us to be as his church, that he would be faithful to us, and provide for us uh, everything needed to keep the doors open and keep his ministry here alive on this little corner in Billings, Montana. And I believe that the Lord has provided through the years and through you all everything that we have needed as we have been faithful to the calling that he has placed on our lives. So I don't think that giving is necessarily a a problem in our church. I think you all give very generously but as I haven't spoken on this topic in a while I just feel led to do that this morning. So we're gonna dive once more into this topic of giving, of being good stewards of what the Lord has blessed us with. And I'm using a little different passage this morning than many pastors would use than preaching on this subject. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 29, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 20. I invite you to please stand with me as you're able for the reading from God's Word. If you're following along in the Pew Bibles, 1 Chronicles 29 begins on page 306, and this is kind of a long passage, about 20 verses. 1 Chronicles 29, beginning at verse 1. Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great, because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. With all my resources I have provided for the temple of my God, gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble, all of these in large quantities. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple, 3,000 talents of gold, gold of ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings, for the gold work and the silver work, and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, who is willing to consecrate himself today to the Lord? Then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave toward the work on the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Any who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel the Gershonite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the splendor and the glory, I'm sorry, and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. O Lord, our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things have I given willingly and with honest intent, and now I have seen with joy how willingly your people "'who are here have given to you. "'O Lord, God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, "'keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever "'and keep their hearts loyal to you. "'And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion "'to keep your commands, requirements, and decrees, "'and to do everything to provide the palatial structure "'for which I have provided.' "'Then David said to the whole assembly, "'Praise the Lord your God.' "'So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers,' They bowed low and fell prostrate before the Lord and the King. Lord, this is a long passage portraying the the generosity and the willing giving of your people back in the Old Testament. As we look at this today, Lord, and, and look at a few other things along with it, open up our hearts and minds to understand how we are to give. And as always, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together today would be pleasing and acceptable to you, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. I'd like to begin by telling you all a quick little story, and I've shared this with you before, but it's been a lot of years. It's a little story about a father and his five-year-old son named Jimmy. One day, the father decided that he would do anything that his little son, Jimmy, wanted to do that day. So he asked his little five-year-old what he wanted to do, and they would do whatever Jimmy wanted to do. Parents, maybe not a good thing to do, but Jimmy told his dad that the one thing he wanted most was to go to McDonald's and have some French fries. He got off easy, didn't he? His dad said, okay, if that's what my boy wants today, then that's what we're going to do. So they got into the dad's car, and they drove to McDonald's. Jimmy was already licking his lips in anticipation of the wonderful treat that he was about to enjoy. When they got there, his dad ordered the fries, and Jimmy's heart leaped when he heard his dad tell the girl behind the counter that he wanted a supersized fries. The dad took his money out of his wallet and paid for the fries and even a drink for his five-year-old son. As they made their way over to a table, Jimmy couldn't wait to sink his teeth into those wonderful, greasy, salty fries. When they sat down, they said grace, and even though it was a quick, uh, God please bless this food, amen, it was still too many words for little Jimmy. All he wanted to do was to dig into his supersized order of fries. As he began to eat them, his dad watched his son as he was enjoying this treat that his dad had provided. In fact, the dad was so delighted with little Jimmy's joy that he decided he would join in on the fun, so he reached over to get a couple of fries for himself. To his surprise, little Jimmy quickly put his arms around his fries and his drink, As though he were building a fort around them, he pulled the fries toward himself and said, No! No, these are mine! His dad sat there in a state of shock for a minute. He couldn't believe what had just happened. The dad pulled his hand back and thought about his son's attitude toward the French fries. Walk with me for a minute through the thoughts that might have been going through the dad's head at that time. He might have thought, Hmm... My son fails to realize that I'm the source of those French fries. At the counter, I was the one who placed the order. I was the one who opened up my wallet to pay for them. In fact, I didn't even give him the size fry he was expecting, but I gave him something twice as big. Yet here he is talking about them being his French fries. And not only am I the source of those fries, he seems to have forgotten that at six foot two and two hundred and twenty pounds, I have the power to take all of those fries, despite his little arms surrounding them like a fort, or that if I wanted to, I could go back to the counter and bring him so many fries that he could never eat them all. He also doesn't understand that I don't need his fries. I could go back to the counter and order as many fries as I wanted. As the dad thought about all of this, he realized that one or two fries really wouldn't have made a difference for him that day. What he really wanted was for his son Jimmy to invite him into the wonderful little world that he, the dad, had made possible for his son to enjoy. He wanted his son to be willing to share the very blessing that he, the father, had made possible that he, the dad, Provided. Let's take a quick look at our passage for today. In the first nine verses, we see King David and the Israelites take up this huge offering for a new building project. They're going to build the first temple for the Lord. And the giving began with David, didn't it? He gave abundantly, he gave sacrificially to the work of the Lord so that the temple could be built. But then he asked, he asked, who else is willing to consecrate himself to the Lord and give to the Lord's work today? And we see the leaders of families and the officers of the tribes of Israel and the army commanders and the king's officials all give willingly to the Lord's work as well. The people were celebrating because so many were giving of their gold and their silver and their jewelry and their iron and their precious stones. And they had all given freely and wholeheartedly to the work of the Lord. Now let's take a look at the next section, this prayer that David offers up to the Lord. Let's look at this prayer and see what David's attitude was toward the things that that God had given. And I think we're going to see that David had a little different attitude than little Jimmy did. Look at how he begins his prayer. Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Everything in heaven and earth is yours. David then echoes that thought in verse 14 when he says, everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. In verse 16, David says, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. David in his prayer is emphatically stating that everything that he has, everything that the people have, I would say everything that we have, comes from God. In the last part of verse 12, David says, in your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. See, David knew, David understood that God was in control of everything and that he was the one who had the power and the sovereignty to to give us french fries or to take those same french fries away from us. What David was saying in verse 14 was that he realized that everything they had been able to give, everything, had originally come from God. So they were simply turning it around and giving some of it back to God for him to use. He's saying that God had provided everything that they had, that God had placed it in their hands, and now they were taking it from their hands and they were putting it back into God's hands. It was like this this circle of giving where God gave to them and they gave back to God. Now you may be sitting here today asking the question, so pastor, are you saying that God is the source of everything? And I would answer, yes. Yes, he is. I'm telling you that because God's word tells us that. Everything we have, whether we've worked for it, won it, found it, traded for it, or received it as a gift. It all came to us from God. He is the original source. Psalm 24, verse 1 tells us that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So everything we think we own, this was brought up in our Sunday school this morning, everything we think we own, it actually belongs to God. Okay, Pastor, wait a minute again. You're saying that my car My house, my toys, my my clothes, my jewelry, my food, my books, my golf clubs, all of those things belong to God? Yes, that's what I'm saying. You might think that you've earned it by working for it. You may have even traded something else for it. It may have been given to you as a gift from someone else. But it still belongs to God because the Bible tells us that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Even the ability to get up each and every day to go to work so that you can earn that paycheck, that ability itself is also a gift from God. There's absolutely nothing that we have that was not ultimately provided by God. And we, when we come to the realization that God delights in giving to us, and he also delights in us giving back to him, I think that's when we really start to grow in our faith. That's what the Lord expects of us. So then why do we, so many times in our lives, act like little Jimmy did with those french fries? The Lord has given us all of these fries, and we're sitting around saying, oh, no, 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 these are... My fries. Jimmy's dad in that story was hurt by the fact that little Jimmy didn't want to share in the joy of what he had provided for him. And he didn't want to share with the one who had provided it. Sometimes I think that we feel that if we give up some of what we have, then we won't have enough left over for ourselves. But I think that shows us that our attitude is in the wrong place. And we're just like the Israelites toward the end of the Old Testament. There's a passage that's used almost every time that someone preaches on giving, especially tithing. For those of you who don't know what tithing means, it means giving 10% of what you have to the Lord. In Malachi chapter 3, the prophet is telling the Israelites that they had been robbing God. And they asked the prophet, well, how have we been robbing God? And God answered through his prophet and said they were robbing him and their tithes and their offerings. He told them that they had not been giving him the whole tithe, the whole 10% of the offering. And in verse 10, the Lord tells them this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Now, this verse has also been used out of context by those who preach what's known as the prosperity gospel. And they preach and teach that the more you give to the Lord, the more you will get back, especially financially. They preach that if you're not being blessed financially, then you haven't given enough, or that in your heart your heart's just not in the right place, that you must be holding something back. They teach that the more you give, the more you'll get. But that's not the prayer attitude we see in David as he gives thanks to the Lord for the opportunity to give back to God from the abundance that God has already blessed him with. David isn't giving to the Lord in order to get something back. He's giving because he knows that the Lord has blessed him with everything he has, and that everything he has has come from the Lord. So he's only giving back to the Lord what was always God's to begin with. And I believe that's what we are called to do as well. That passage from Malachi talks about the tithe, about giving 10%. And a tithe is really nothing more than a penny out of a dime, or a dime out of a dollar. If you were sitting at a table with God, and God gave you ten dimes, is there anything that would cause you to tell God no if he asked for one of them back? But how many times do we do this exact same thing with our giving? I looked this week at what I shared when I spoke about this topic back in 2015, and I made a statement. I read my sermon. I made a statement in that sermon that I want to share with you all today. I said back then, I would love to see us get to the point where we as a church can take 10% of what is given each week in our offerings and give it back to the Lord as a church body for service and missions outside of our church. Now at that time, we were still accepting financial help from the Western region to help us meet our budget. But I said I would love to see this as a goal for us down the road. And last year at our annual meeting, We decided to do just that. And and I'm really proud of you all for voting for that. I think it's something that we should be doing. The Lord has provided for us in many ways, and we are blessed to give back to Him to help others. But sometimes people will get upset or frustrated about giving 10% when in actuality God is entitled to the whole 100% to do with as He pleases. But what do we tend to do the moment that God places the blessing in our hands? By our attitudes, we say, well, this is mine now, and I'll give what I want to give. And up goes that fortress around our fries. And we really have no concept of how much we are blessed by God through all he has given and all he has done for us. There's a hymn that we like to sing and we're going to close with this hymn this morning in just a little bit. It has wonderful words and the message is exactly, I think, what the Lord wants to hear from us. It says this. All to Jesus I surrender All to Him I freely give I will ever love and trust Him In His presence daily live i surrender all i surrender all all to thee my blessed savior i surrender all but how many times in our lives do our attitudes make the song sound more like this all to jesus i surrender once i've paid my cable bill I will ever love and trust him if my freezer he will fill. All to Jesus I surrender after my car loan is paid off. I will give him what's left over when I think I have enough. Or maybe all to Jesus I surrender once my credit card is paid. I will ever love and trust him once I get my phone upgrade. Right? That sounds pretty silly, doesn't it? It really sounds pretty silly. But sometimes that's the reality of our lives and of our giving. We give to God what's left over at the end of the month instead of giving to him first and trusting him to then provide for us, as that passage from Malachi said. And God had said, test me in this. See if I will not provide for your needs more abundantly than you can ever think or imagine. There are three things we should all know about God when we're afraid to trust that he will meet our needs if we give to his work first. The first deals with God's power, his ability to give to us. Do you believe that God has the ability to give you everything you need to get by in this world? Do you believe that? Now notice, I didn't say everything you need to get ahead in this world. I said everything you need to get by. In Matthew 6, Jesus is admonishing the crowd because they worry about everything. Things like having clothing and, and having food to eat. And he simply tells them to seek God's kingdom first, and then all of these other things will be given to them as well. It's the same principle we see in Malachi. And God is all-powerful. Everything in this world is His to do with as He pleases. Do you believe that He is able to meet your needs if you put Him first in your list of giving? Not just of your finances, but of your time and your abilities and your energies and your other resources. God is totally able to meet your needs. Secondly, we need to realize that God delights in giving to his children. He is a very giving God. The first verse that many new Christians learn is John 3.16. In that verse, we read these words. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish or have eternal life. That is the message of the gospel. God gave. We trust Jesus with our eternity. We trust him for our eternal life. Then why do we have such a hard time trusting him here on earth with the things that we need here? Especially when we realize how much God really loves to give to his children. Jesus spoke about this in Matthew chapter seven, verses nine through 11. He was talking to the people and he asked them, which of you If his son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a snake? And he said, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God knows what we need, and he is ready, willing, and able to give and to provide for us if we seek him out first. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4.13 that my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. There is nothing that the Lord will ask you to do that he will not give you what you need to accomplish it, including giving to his work. How many of you, if you were to send your child to the store, Let's just say to, uh, to buy a gallon of milk. You're going to send your child to the store to buy a gallon of milk, and you know that the milk costs $3. How many of you would send your child with only 50 cents to buy it with? Anybody? No. If you expected them to bring home the milk, you would give them enough money to buy it. Well, the Lord does the same for us. He will give us what we need to do what he has called us to do. And part of what he has called us to do is to give generously to support his work here on earth. And as a church, you all give very generously. I'm not, I'm not preaching this sermon to try and say you need to give more because you don't. I'm preaching it because it's part of God's word and it's a good reminder to each one of us. The third thing we need to know about God is that he wants to work in partnership with us to accomplish his will. You know, the Lord could have simply sent an angel down to preach the gospel on this corner of Governor's Boulevard and Aronson here in the Heights. But he didn't do that. No, instead, he established Yellowstone Lutheran Brethren Church. And he wants to work in us and through us to bring the good news of the gospel, the good news of forgiveness of sin and salvation through faith in Jesus Christ to those around here who so desperately need to hear it. As I look out over our congregation today, I see many people that I've come to love in the years that we've been here. I see people who I know have given very sacrificially over the years to help keep this ministry alive. I also see many people that are retired and living on fixed incomes and only have so much to give. And you know what? That's okay. What you give and how you give is totally between you and you. And the Lord. I don't know, and I never want to know how much any of you give to the ministry here at Yellowstone. That's not part of my job. I do ask that you would always remember the words from our scripture reading this morning where Paul said, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We've all been blessed in many ways and we need to always remember that god is the one who has blessed us he has blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others you know what god has given each one of us some french fries you guys all like french fries i love french fries he's given each one of us some french fries some of us have small bags some have medium some even have large bags of fries a few maybe even have some supersized bags. Some of our fries are lighter colored and long, like McDonald's fries. Some of us have shorter, thicker fries like they have at Wendy's. Some of you maybe even have curly fries, like you find at Arby's. But God has given each and every one of us some fries. And he's sitting down at the table with us for fellowship. When the Lord reaches over, the table and ask you if he can have some of the fries he's blessed you with, what are you going to do? Are you going to be like Jimmy and hoard them all for yourself, thinking that they belong to you, or are you going to be like David and recognize that all of those fries came from God anyway, so you gladly give them back to him for him to use as he sees fit? I know who I would rather be like. How about you? Please pray with me. Oh, Lord, this topic of of giving is one that I know a lot of preachers don't like to preach about, Lord, but it's a necessary thing. It's part of your word. Lord, you even spoke about money many, many times in the New Testament. So, Lord, just help us to be faithful to you as you have shown yourself to be faithful to us in our giving, not only of our finances, Lord, but of our time and of our resources and of our energies and the talents you've given us. Lord, to serve you and to serve those around us whom you have called us to serve. I thank you that you are a giving God and you have given us a wonderful example of what it means to give and to give generously. When you, Jesus, gave of yourself so that we could have forgiveness of sins when you died on the cross. When you conquered death and rose from the grave to promise us eternal life with you one day in heaven if we have faith in you. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. Help us, Lord, to give back to you through the abundance of what you have given to us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.